Welcome to A Positive Insights Startup Podcast. My name's Darren, I'm with Harry, we're both from A Positive, and we've had the pleasure of talking to Mike Hollerbread and Michael Carter from Change Recruitment, a fast-growing IT business based in Sydney. Really enjoyed that chat, Harry. How about you? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought there was some, some really interesting topics covered, and they were really honest throughout. Um, I think there's some really key takeaways about what they implemented to grow so fast, so quickly, but also how they're changing their business model to this changing market as well. Um, so I think people will take a lot lot out of this chat. Yeah, I love the way um, they talked about going from top billers to leaders of their own business. I think the listeners will find that really insightful. This was an interesting podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. G'day lads, here with the, the boys from Change Recruitment, Mark Oliver and Mike Carter. I think we're, we're going to have to uh, differentiate here. What, what do you want us to call you? I'll go, I'll go just Carter. Just yeah, Carter? Yeah, yeah. Carter and Mike? He likes Michael. That's when you're in trouble. Boys, um, yeah, thanks for joining us today. Um, just give us a bit of, bit of background about where you're currently at, where you've come from, and what Change is all about. Yeah, but I suppose I'll, I'll kick us off there, lads. Um, we, we started out 18 months ago. We've grown from just me and Mike, sat in a, a little shared office in Bondi Junction, to now we're at 15 consultants, yeah. all in tech verticals. In a very swanky office with a beautiful view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> X-Murnoff offices, it's got a bar, it's got a view. <laughs> if you want a job, yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. So 18 months, yeah. how's it going? How's growth been? Obviously 15 consultants in 18 months, that's, that's pretty aggressive growth. Yeah, look, it's been good, it's been good. The, the, the tech market in particular was good, rec- recruitment-wise. I think like when we launched the business, it was probably in and around the peak. Um, so it's not we, we benefited from that as a company, right? Yeah, but I think, I think early on, uh, we, we hired a lot of trainees, right? We hired people with no recruitment experience and, and our background was training people with no recruitment experience. Um, and, and that sort of fueled our growth, you know, that, like yeah. having, having people in who are eager, who can learn your systems, learn your ways quickly, for me has always been a preference to having someone who's maybe been doing a job a few years that you have to almost retrain. Um, so, so, so our consultants that, that started with us then, uh, you know, up to, up to senior consultants now, and we've got a new batch of people coming through that are, that are doing really well. It's amazing. So, what, what sort of quality do you actually look for in people? Uh, look, for me, like drive is probably the key factor. I know, not, I know everyone will say the same thing, but not just like I want to be rich or I want, I want this car. Like a, a reason behind the drive. Like yeah. you often find people will Google how to pass a recruitment interview. Do you know, and, yeah. and the thing in there is mention money. You know, yeah. say you want to be rich, but you don't like when, when it comes to the crux of it. And this job can be difficult, and it probably hasn't been as difficult as it, as it will get now. You need a real good reason for wanting that money, or it's not just money; it's career growth. It's very quick progression. Like myself and Michael, like what eight years into our career, and we've already managed to build a relatively successful business. So yeah, you can move really quickly up the ranks, but you have to work really hard to do it. And I think that gets lost in translation sometimes, maybe, and people don't link the two together. Yeah, I think that that, that ability to be positive um, when times do get tough. Look, there's a lot of knocks on the way in recruitment, as we as we all know. Um, so you have to end each day with a, a positive attitude and, and pick up on the little wins and your ability to do, some people's ability to do that is non-existent. Um, you know that you'll have very negative people that will take every bad thing that's happened to them during that day and forget all, all about the positives that they've done. So 
having that person who is just a positive influence is also super important. Yes, but how do you help them do that? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. I think, I think you have to look you have to look for that sort of personality type mm. in the first place. And the thing is, it's a really hard thing to gauge in an interview. Like, yeah. I, I think interviews obviously play a part in the hiring process, but it's very difficult over the course of two, three hours. You don't know until you don't know. Nah, no, no, you yeah, don't know. And you probably need a few weeks to understand, is this going to be for them? And I, and I think that, that in, in recruitment, that's really evident because there's a really high job off rate really quickly. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. People will be in, they'll do two weeks of training, they'll be like, wait, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be, or this yeah. isn't for me, you know? Um, to, to, I guess, like, Coaching them and, and, and leading from the front, I guess, is, is, is the most important. Like myself and Mike obviously had some knocks throughout setting up this business. Like we don't, we, we, we still handle billing. So like we don't hide our failures, do you yeah. know? Like we have as many dropouts or as many like, we still get, we still cold calling people, right? And getting, yeah, <laughs> getting the door shut in our face, yeah. you know? And it's like, they see that happen to us and it never knocks us. We, yeah. We're like, our positivity stays apparent the whole time. So I think maybe leading from the front and being that person, um, and then the, the, I, I don't know how she would. No, I suppose I'll rewind the question: is like how yeah. do you celebrate the wins? I suppose. Yeah. Which yeah, like, there's uh, the, the, like it sounds cheesy, but there's a lot of high fives. There's a lot yeah. of like, man, that's a great call. Can't believe you got that information. Like it, you have to be over the top, especially as managers, to to kind of reinforce the good things that they're doing, so that yeah. they realise that you're doing a good job. And probably on the the, the other side of it, there's it's a dirty word in recruitment for some reason, but KPIs are super important. Like when you're when you're starting out, how do you know you're doing a good job if you're not doing deals? Yeah. Like if you're not making placements, you automatically think that you're terrible. You're seeing like the, the guys who've been here for 12 months, 18 months, like they're knocking in deals every week. Um, and that can become demoralizing. So if you've got a set standard of KPIs that we've we put in front of you, like if you do these, you're doing a good job. That, that kind of, Reinforces that, yeah. Um, so yeah, for sure, KPIs. Yeah, you go, you go home at the end of the day, right? And you go at the end of the day, like I've had a good day. If you haven't made a placement, like you know what a good day looks like. You know how to overachieve. If you go over those KPIs, you're like right, I've done more than I needed to, you know. But yeah. there's a bare minimum there, the sort of things you need to hit. And the thing we've trained a lot of people in our career, they always work. Like yeah. it's, it's, there's never been a time where if someone does that work for a period of time, that it doesn't work. So yeah. we, we know it works. It's just getting people to believe you. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think that's interesting. On that point, you've been training people for years, and you've come out eighteen months on your own. Have you had to shift shift how you train people, and have you implemented changes going from a top biller and a manager in a in a large company to now a smaller team? Have you had to shift your mindset, or are you still sticking to what you know works? Um, the, look, the market's completely changed, and I, and, I th- and I think the most important thing about us actually being hands-on is that when the market changes, we feel it really quickly. Yeah, so mm. like, and, and it's all linking to training, right? So we feel at the beginning when we first set up, really, really candidate short. Yeah. We change the day plans, we change the KPIs, we got people doing different activities around candidates, right? Around June time, we, we both come back from the UK and we're calling on old clients like no one hiring freezes, you know, yeah, like wow. yeah, we start arms yeah. like you see the redundancies everywhere. So we immediately flicked on his head, you know, like right now we need to be out there winning more business. So I think the fact that we're hands on doing recruitment because it's very difficult if you stand back, you think people just aren't working, yeah. right? If, if you're a hands off manager, you'll sit there. They're not doing their numbers, you know. It must be them. It's yeah, not. It's why? not the market. Like yeah. why? So yeah. you're just driving people to do more of the same activity, which is never going to be fruitful. So, I think because of that, we adapt our training and the market so and the KPIs to, to how 
yeah, to, to, to how the to how the market's responding. Like right now, there's been a, a, a massive drop off in perm jobs. That we've, that we've, and I don't know if it's across the board, but we've targeted for the last six months enterprise contract companies. You know, like in in reaction to that, because the, the VC money is not coming so through for the startups. So you're already seeing the market changing for sure. Oh, definitely, absolutely, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, we've got a lot of friends that run recruitment companies. Like it's not, it's not. We were talking about it today, but it's not like it was. Pre-COVID, like everyone forgets, recruitment used to be really hard as well. <laughs> you know, like it's, not, it's not like it was pre-COVID, but it's still um, it's, it's, it's way more difficult than it was six months ago. From a, from a demand perspective, like candidates, the candidates will now be on the market immediately for two weeks. Whereas if you asked me six months ago, you couldn't even get them to talk to you. You know, so it's like there's, there's definitely been a change. Mm. And so seeing that change coming, are you implementing any new processes or any? Obviously, you're focusing on business development mm. and, and training up there but have you implemented any new technology or any new systems or anything to help you with yeah, that like we we played around with a few different crms right from the get-go like we came like our, our background is um rdf system called idb which was very good functionality um but then there's obviously the new players in the market you've got your, your job adders and your ball horns and, and pincherry and stuff um we wanted a system that was really heavily focused around data analytics behind business development. Um, so that was something that we had, we've had in play from the start. So we can, we can see from a, an, an input perspective, whether that's sending out spec CVs or if it's calls or if it's meetings, what's generating the, the, most, um, the, the most results, right? So um, based on an individual consultant basis, we can say, right, for you, meetings is the most valuable thing. You're getting the most return for your time there. For you, in your market, you're getting the most return on setting out CVs, or you, you're getting the most return on, on business development calls. So we can, we can focus it based on the consultant. I think that individual mindset has, has worked really well for, for everybody in here. So you, you can actually see that in your ATS? Yeah. Yeah, well. yeah. Yeah, which is super, super valuable. That's so um, and then we can work on things like our ratios. So things like, you know, um, what's your interview to placement ratio? What's your um, CV, or your job to placement ratio? And all that kind of stuff. And then from the top down, we can look at it and go, right, that's where we need to implement more training. Yeah. And, and how are you consultants responding to that? Are you needing to tailor how you deliver that information? Or are you being consistent throughout? Look, I, I think everyone learns differently. It is, it is a truth. Like we do, we do scheduled training, or like apart outside of the training program we have initially, we do we do scheduled training. But if I take myself, I was always someone who learned doing not sat in a classroom. You know, I'd always want to do it, fail at it, do it again. So I think we have to. People will respond differently. So I think I think we tailor it out to per person. Like everyone will receive the same information, but you probably have to deliver it a little bit differently. Um, and some people take criticism and you know better than others constructive criticism mm. some people take that better yeah. than others so this in my career you've always had some people where you could on the floor say to them you've done that wrong there's some people you need to put into a room and say hey look you didn't you didn't do that right you know because you'd actually push them more into their shell if you, yeah. if you do it in front of everyone whereas some people will respond better so i think i think a lot of it, that will come down to like personality of each person rather than like a set um you have to be quite emotionally intelligent to be a boss. You have yeah. to, yeah, yeah. You have to try anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just said they're done. As long as you try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so, like the, one of the biggest learning curves, right? Yeah. When you become like, it's always in every recruitment agency the, the best builder becomes a manager, and it's not always for everyone. Like, no. it's not it's not something that you just turn on like that, and all of a sudden you're really good at managing people. Yeah. So, 
Uh, I think I only remember last time we caught up, you were talking about like the career path within the yeah. business. You actually give people the opportunity to say whether they want to be a manager. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the uptake been like? Yeah, look, I, I think there's a couple of people in here that are, that are on that route and they, and they want to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't actually think it's for everyone. Look, if, if people are that like super money hungry, going into a management role probably isn't the best thing. Like, yeah. it takes a long time before your um, override on your team will ever catch up to, to, to the billings that you can do as a, as a hands-on hands-on biller. So I think it sort of depends what you want out of your career. Like I look back and I'm, I'm over the moon that I've become a manager. I enjoy training my team, but it's also helped me set this business up. So, yeah. so from that perspective, it's, it's, it's really good. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think the, the biggest biller should always be a, like, you're almost better off someone who has that emotional intelligence. Yeah they will lead a team better and they'll put the team before themselves. I think I think that's maybe it, you know, like they'll put they would rather help someone else do a placement than they would do the placement themselves and take the money, you know, and, and that's I think that's the big difference. Obviously you're still billing yourselves. Yeah. And uh, people listening to this, they may be yes, they may be managing, you know, current teams or they may just be the top biller wanting to go in themselves. How how do you balance your time? If you're bringing on so many trainees and you're billing, how are you doing it? I like having a day plan for yourself is incredible incredibly important and, and, and stick into that like be super rigid with it and um, it, it, recruitment like any other job like you can get pulled from doing an email over here to a meeting over here to, to this if you if you can actually set up your store like like in the morning get in before everybody else right go right I've got this is my slot now for training this is my slot for BD this is my slot for candidate management etc etc like that you have to be super rigid with it because if you're not you're all over the place and nothing gets done yeah yeah, it's tough. Look, to be honest, mate. Like with starting this up, you work more. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You don't really manage your time. You do the training you can do during the day, and you probably do more of the recruitment you would usually do at night. Like, at least in the initial stages. Like, um, I think I think we've got like from a technology perspective, we invest quite heavily. You know, so we've got tools that automate some some outreach. We've got an overseas team that helps. You know, collecting data, collecting profiles, the sort of stuff that traditionally we would have had to do as a team lead or recruiter we've outsourced as much of that as possible, which gives us more time to spend with, you know, people people and getting them up and running. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's a bit rewarding, yeah. Is there any plan to step away from the building? Uh, not not like, yeah, definitely. It, it, like, you, yeah. you can only get a business to a certain size and still yeah. still have a desk. It's probably the, the scariest part, you know, of like... Yeah, when, when, on the team. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. It, it sort of takes it out of your control and... Um, I've, I've personally had a, a desk since I started in recruitment, mm-hmm. so I, like I don't know what I'll do without one. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I think the business will get to a point where neither of us will be able to. But we're almost to this point. We're now doing way more of like a BDM role than we are like a full. So you bring in the clients, then you let the guys fill it. Yeah, yeah essentially. The, the yeah, idea was always to, to bring in 40 percent of the business for everybody else, and have that trickle down. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of having niche verticals that everybody kind of eats from the same account. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that that leads us in uh, to a good spot to, to wrap it up. But uh, that there is obviously a tipping point that you'll come to where you guys step away. Um, there would have been a tipping point when you're in your previous roles to when you wanted to, to go out on your own. Uh, what was that for you? How did you identify it? Look, I think um, there's only so many jobs you can do in a, in a recruitment company, personally. You know, like you, do, you, you, you hit a ceiling, whether it's like your team's five people, your team's 10 people, like what's the option after that? Your team goes to 20 people, like, and you can, the same as when you're a consultant and you want to go into manager, after you've been managing people for a while, you're sort of like, what's next? And, and there is a limit, right? Like, so, so for me, it was just like, what, what is next? Like, is it 
building building another team within within the business that we was in before. It was a great business, you know. Like we had we had it like really good for my career. Like, but you, you hit a tipping point. You like I, I feel like I've learned everything I need to learn to do this for myself. Like I, I don't think I'll learn anything else from this environment. Yeah. What made you to decide that it wasn't a lifestyle business? You actually want to grow a team and yeah, actually build. I think we, yeah. I think we we come from that environment yeah. like that like that's all we knew for from our time at our previous company like it was grow grow and grow, and I just love the fast pacedness of it like I think uh, we have we've had multiple chats with our new CFO, um, just around growth and and how to scale it um, sustainably, um, and it. it, it if we're not growing, we feel like we're not moving. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting to grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is, it is, it that, is. That's what we want. We want, yeah. we want a big company. We want something that we can be proud of. And you know, yeah. Well, I suppose final question then: If somebody going out on their own, what's the biggest piece of advice you would give? Just get get all your ducks in a row. Know know who like your suppliers are. Know what software you want to use. Like I would say, the first probably three months of us starting up, we was clueless, like completely clueless on on um, what what we was going to use, how we was going to target the market. Like do a business plan. Like we, we we sat and done a business plan. And although that business plan almost gets ripped up and thrown out the window after me doing it a month, you have some direction. You know, <laughs> yeah. you have some idea of like this is how we're going to approach the market. This is what we're going to try and achieve financially. Like if you don't have goals like that. You're just running around like a headless chicken, trying to do as much as possible, which isn't a bad strategy initially, but you'll burn out super quick because nothing's ever enough. So you need like a, an obtainable goal within a year. You know, do you even want to hire anyone? Like, look, look at like similarly to becoming a team lead, hiring people in the, in the short term isn't uh, the best if you want to just go out there and earn as much money as possible. You know, yeah. you're, you're almost better off just relying on yourself and and having a lifestyle business. That's that's equally as good. Yeah, for you, Carter, get get new partners. Um, arranged and, and, and talked to them beforehand. Like obviously you guys are, are A positive, um, super helpful at the start in terms of contracts and negotiation and understanding the finance aspect of having a contract book was super helpful. Um, having your accountants, um, you see our yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like, like that, that's, that's advice that you need to have because it's stuff that you just don't know about. And you would probably been shielded from during your time as a consultant, especially if you're a top biller with no experience managing teams or anything like that. It's important to have external advice, advisors um, to, to help you in that initial phase. And I take it that that's an ongoing, ongoing venture. You just brought on a CFO. Like, mm. Would you agree? One hundred percent. It never stops. Um, we, we we came with you guys uh, to the the Greg Savage event. Um, yesterday actually um, and the, the, there was people in there that we were talking to just people that have also gone on this journey that gave advice there and then we were just like oh man we never really thought about that, that that's a great thing and today we're implementing it you know so yeah. it's, it's, so you're it's always learning always, yeah. always learning yeah. stuff. you should be yeah. stupid not to right like yeah. it's, it's dumb to think it's a dumb thing you're the best at everything like we're looking at accounting firms for example like there's no point in us trying to do what an accountant can do like it's not the best spend of our time yeah. like if you're good at recruitment and good at training people, spend your time doing that and then That's outsource right. what you're not good at. Like it's the eight old thing, right? Just outsource everything you don't know how to do. I love that advice. Um, definitely. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, lads. Yeah, we appreciate the time. Wicked. Hey, Good chat.